Hello, and welcome to the Bregman Leadership Podcast. I'm Peter Bregman, and I believe that the best leaders don't try to do it alone. As the CEO of Bregman Partners, my mission for over 30 years and the mission of this podcast is to help successful people like you close your leadership gaps, grow as leaders, and inspire your team, inspire all the people around you to get great results. With us today is Harry Kramer. He is such a delightful person that I'm really, really happy to bring him back on the podcast. He's been on the podcast before. Um, His latest book is Your 168, Put Your Values First and Focus on What Matters Most. He's a professor of management and strategy at Kellogg University of Management at Northwestern University, where he was professor of the year. You'll so soon understand why he got that designation. He's uh, also an executive partner at a private equity firm and was the former chairman and CEO of Baxter, which is a multi-billion dollar global healthcare company. And one of the things that I'm delighted about with Harry, not only being a, a, a sort of stellar human being, uh, which is really important to me. In fact, Harry, I'll just tell you that the the coaching that I'm doing now, um, I'm I've I've gotten clear that I'm looking to and and I've been very clear about this and said no to certain clients and yes to others. That I'm helping people become exceptional leaders and stellar human beings. And if they're not interested in both sides of that, which is fine, like there's nothing wrong with not being interested in both sides. But if they're not, I'm the wrong guy. Because this stellar human being part is feels really, really important to me. And and you are a great example of a stellar human being. And I'm also excited that you have both the thought leadership on the one hand and the very, very practical experience of executive leadership on the other. So I'm going to bring both of those into the conversation. Welcome to the Bregman Leadership Podcast, Harry. It is great to be with you. I, I should actually write all this down and show it to my five kids because I, they don't respect me the same way you apparently do. But <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, share the podcast with them, and then anytime they want to call me, they can call me and I'll let them know. <laughs> That's great. That's good. Okay. Um, Harry, you're 168. What are your 168? Yeah. So in, in my classes, uh, Peter, I always will ask the students uh, you know, about 168, the most important number, and they'll say, what's 168? It turns out, Peter, I don't know how many of your listeners, but about one out of 10 people know it. But if I say to you, Peter, well, Peter, um, you know, what kind of week are you doing? How hard are you working this week? Often they'll say, huh, this week, this week I'm 24 seven. I'll say, okay, slow down, multiply it out. Usually you get 168, right? (laughs) So the reality of life, Peter, is as crazy as we are, everybody gets 168 hours a week. That's what you get. All right. And how you spend that time and what you do with it and what you don't do with it and what matters that's the whole thought process around when I say you're 168. And it's interesting because as I was reading it, I was thinking, you know, I, I love this idea of don't evaluate a day, evaluate a week. And when I started doing it in my head and I said, so let me think about yesterday. And I thought yesterday, I don't even know what I did yesterday. I can't remember what I did yesterday. <laughs> and I don't know what day it was yesterday. Yeah. I mean, nowadays. Yeah, right. I don't know what day it was yesterday. But I thought that was really interesting because, you know, the, we, we could be so present to what we're doing in the moment, but actually, you know, I was mentioning before the call, there was a couple of days ago where I was so busy and then I stopped halfway through the day and I, I said, like, I've been so busy, but I'm not getting anything done. I'm not getting anything useful or important done. Yeah. And, then, and then I chose with one hour of my 168 to... Now that I'm yeah. kind of we're, we're recording this during pandemic time and I'm up in the Catskills, get on my mountain bike 
and go ride for an hour. And that kind of helped me a lot. But that was a very, of that day, that was the best use of my one hour of 168. Well, and, and that actually, Peter, is, is a great example because what usually happens is you, you take people that are very active, you and I, a lot of your listeners, uh, and and we just keep going faster and faster. And when we realize we may not get everything done, well, then we'll just multitask. And the question I always ask executives, the question I ask students very practically is, have we confused activity and productivity? Or are we moving so fast, we have no idea how productive we are. Let's just keep moving. It was your comment a minute ago of, hey, I'm, I'm running around, running around, but, but did I get anything done? I don't know. Let's, let's just keep moving. And I think the people that really are value-based leaders literally stop and say, wait a second, take a time out. Let, let me be a little self-reflective here. Let me get off by myself, take a, a ride on my mountain bike, decompress, and literally think, what really matters? Right. What What are my values? What's my purpose? What, what What am I doing all this for? Yeah. And and you know one of the things that's interesting. So again, we're recording this during the pandemic, and it's been three and a half months that since I moved out of New York City and I'm at a house on the Catskills, and I am just now, just now, three and a half months later, beginning to feel the edges of the start of relaxing. Yes. And it's like the pent up busyness and drive and continuous movement of years. I'm like, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm just starting to feel the edges of that. So Harry, let's go all the way back. Let's go to your childhood. I'm very interested in your path. Like, you know, you, you are a leader, you're a teacher, you've, you're a thinker. And, and I think a lot of our listeners also are interested in people who, you know, have arrived to CEO of a multi-billion dollar company and also and are very, very thoughtful about their journey. So share with us a little bit about your journey. Like, how did you get started? What are some decision values based or not decision points that you made that brought you to where you are today? Yeah. So uh, fun, fun, Peter. So actually born in New York, actually in, in Queens. My grandfather was a history teacher. Uh, my dad was a salesman. So we moved around New York out in Long Island, but I've lost most of my accent. Uh, and then we were lived in, in Pennsylvania, uh, in uh, northeastern Pennsylvania, a little town, Clark Summit. Um, and uh, my dad ended up getting transferred then to the Midwest, to Minneapolis. I went to a small college in, uh, in Wisconsin, Lawrence University, liberal arts. Uh, and then uh, worked for a while with a bank and then uh, ended up go going to Kellogg um, and then uh, eventually ended up at, at Baxter. Uh, but, but to your point, a, a couple of things, you know, in your life that, that happened. Uh, so my, uh, when I lived in northeastern Pennsylvania, Peter, uh, and I may have mentioned this to you in the past, uh, my, my uncle was a priest. And, uh, you know, if you're if you're going to doing a church or you're going to a, a temple with a synagogue, whatever, uh, and you know somebody who's who's a who's a uh, somebody who's a cleric. Uh, you get to know them very well. And at least in our church, they always used to say, well, you know, Harry, uh, you know, we, we need more pastors. We need we need more priests. It's really just we really need more. And I remember I think I was like 14 years old and I went back and every Friday night my uncle would come over and I'd say, hey, Uncle Francis. I said, I think I'm going to sign up for this. You sign up for what? Well, to, to be a priest. He goes, oh, this is fantastic. You got a calling. I said, Father Francis, I said, I got to tell you, I, I definitely do not have a calling. And I said, I, I, I'd rather not do it. But here's here's the simple math of this. Because I was already in the math report. I said, A, we need more. B, if any of my friends do this, we're going to have a major problem. I mean, I know these characters, okay? So somebody's got to pick up the slack. And it's me. And it had a big impact on me because it was very interesting. He said, Harry, every priest, every minister, every rabbi I know, he said, we all have the same issues. The people that come to our institutions, we can we can take care of. 
but I'm always sensitive to the people that are out there in the real world. And he said, Harry, if you end up going into teaching or business or whatever, and you always say, hey, what example can I set? What are the values? And through your example, you can make a really big impact. And I thought, well, that's great. I don't have to become a priest. Thank God. Uh, and I've always thought about that. And even, even when I started at Baxter, and, and by the way, uh, people say to me, how did that happen? Well, I started as a junior financial analyst for two years at Baxter. Uh, I forgot to leave, and I was there for 24 years. Okay? So small businesses, large businesses. I spent time in international, was the CFO, was the, was the president, chairman, and CEO. And it, it was very, very interesting, Peter, just that ability uh, and a couple of events that happened to me to get into this very think about self-reflection. Um, it just sort of impacts the way I, I think of the world and how you treat people. Uh, you know, what, what's the what's what's your mission? What do you want to do? What's your purpose? Um, and it's been it's been fantastic. All right. So uh, let me ask you a couple of questions here. I love it. I love the story. So so you have this conversation with your uncle and and here's my question. Did because the 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 story is very vibrant like i'm heading in this direction and i have this conversation and i realize i got to move somewhere else and and that's the narrative and i'm curious the the reality behind the narrative like were you having doubts were you not sure were there other thought like what like to make that turn to go i'm going to be a priest actually i'm going to go into business yeah. these are life decisions that people struggle with all the time and i'm curious yeah. The if you can remember, yeah. like just even you know little snippets of yeah. the the influences in making and moving towards that decision. I think it's the complexity of it. I think could be helpful. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so here I am. I'm like 13, right? Going into eighth grade. Um, I I really did ha have a have a spiritual perspective of hey, we're here for a, a very short period of time. What impact do you make uh, on the world? And, and I and I thought, I get, I, you know, I need to do that. But, you know, hey, you know, I, I kind of was at 13, 14. So I'm starting to think about girls. So that's start... younger than I thought. I get it. I get that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so and so I thought, well, hey, you know what? If I get very actually, I keep things very simple, Peter, by the way, I keep things very, very simple. And so I kind of looked at it as I, I like to make a difference. And if in order to make a difference, that's what I've got. Oh, wait a minute. If I can make a difference, whether it's business, whether it's teaching or whatever, um, and, 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 I, and I could feel good about that. That that's a, that's a, that's a pretty straightforward uh, uh, way, way to think about it. And then I, I I love math and I love the idea of learning and I loved interacting with people and uh, that's sort of uh, that's sort of how it evolved. And so you join you join Baxter as a financial analyst. Twenty four years later, you twenty four years is that right? You become CEO. No, well, no, I no, I, I joined the company and I guess it was only uh, fifteen years later because I was fifteen years I, later, and then you were CEO for that period of time. Yeah, yeah. So. Did you, like, at what point did you have an aspiration that says, hey, I kind of want to run this company? Ah, Peter, you ask fantastic questions. This comes up, this is where we, when we're serious, you have to have a sense of humor. This comes up a lot. And usually people say, well, when did, when did you decide? And, I, and I, it's always a little disappointing for the students when I say, well, hey, I never even thought I'd be a vice president. I certainly never thought I'd be, and I never thought. And of course, the student reaction is, eyeball roll, here we go. Here's another one of those humility things again. And Peter, with, with your training and coaching, and you'll, you'll appreciate this, well, the way I think about it is, and tell me whether you agree or tell me what you think of this, when, if you're the kind of leader where, what are you all about? You're all about relationships, developing people, developing the team, making it, making it all happen. Uh, you get, you're very excited about that. And interestingly enough, 
I tell people, Peter, that when people say, oh, well, you know, you were the CEO Baxter when you were 42 as a $12 billion company, you must have been very bright. And I said, well, no, here's the reality. If, if I'm really honest with myself, and I tell this to the students, I had two very good things going for me. Intelligence wasn't one of them. Two, number one, I knew everybody. I mean, my ability, when I talk about leadership, Chief, this little simple model I may have told you, leadership through the ability to influence people, how do you influence people? You relate. If I can relate to you, I can and lead you. That's it. That's as complicated as I get. And I love the idea that I'm spending time with wild and crazy sales guys. I'm spending time in the R&D lab with PhDs and fields I know nothing about. And what I realized was two things. If you know and can relate to everybody and you know who the really good people are, number one, and number two, you create an environment that everybody wants to work for you. As I told the students the other night, here's a simple formula. If you know who all the good people are and they all want to work for you, you're going to do phenomenally well. And now, again, here's that balance, Peter. Did I have aspirations of becoming a vice president? No. In fact, here's another crazy one, Peter. I set up three criteria through my self-reflection when I was at Kellogg. Three criteria. Do I stay in the job I'm in? Do I stay in the company I'm in but a different job or do I go someplace else? Interesting enough, Peter, I use the same three criteria 40 years later. If you call me and say, hey, Harry, could you go on this board? Three criteria. If I continue to do this, will I have the opportunity to learn and grow? If I'm not learning and growing, I'm going backwards. Two, will I have the opportunity to add value with a team and make something happen? Or is somebody paying me a lot of money and I'm just watching grass grow and paint dry? And three, am I having fun? And so from my perspective, I volunteered for everything. When they said, hey, somebody needs to run this small division that's losing money. Oh, that sounds like fun. I could learn something. I think I could add some value. Now, the flip side of it, though, flip side of it is, while that was my criteria, what did I know? What did I, know? I think I knew, Peter, that if you were the CEO and you called me and said, hey, Harry, uh, we want you to become the CFO, I knew, I knew I could pull it off because I knew who the people were. So that, that, that I would need to do it. So so I thought, hey, whatever comes up, fine. Uh, but, you know, I'm literally trying to do my life balance. You know, I'm trying to balance, you know, my family, my 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 spirituality, my health, fun, having a good time, making a difference. So it, I kind of thought of it as, hey, if the stars align and that opens up, super. But if those three criteria happen, I'm not going to be one of these guys coming home to my spouse. Well, you know, I don't know if I'm going to become a vice president and my whole life's going to change because I decided I'm never going to let my my uh, my job identify who I am. I'm just I'm not going to do that. So you decide it's like, you know, it's like an our 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 joint friend, Alan Mulally, who who is so good at who's the who is the CEO of Boeing and the CEO of Ford, who's so good at creating a process, right? A process that works and then following it with zero tolerance for deviation. And so what you're saying is, I'm, I, I, that's what I've done. I've created a process, which are these three questions, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I'm asking myself those questions. And if the answer is yes to each of those questions, then I do it. And if the answer is no to any of them, then I don't. And I don't have to think about what is the outcome going to be about this? I just have to think about these are my three guiding questions, and exactly. I'm going to ask those questions. Right. And uh, the first one was: uh, uh, if, if I if I do this, can I? Will I be able to learn and grow? Will I, I right, learn? Right. Will I be able to learn and grow? Um, will I uh, will I be able to make a difference? And three is: am I going to have fun? 
having fun. Yeah, yeah. And and then you just you don't think too much about the implication of the next step. You just think, does it meet these criteria? Exactly, exactly. And and interestingly enough, the reason why that seems to make sense to me is that if if I'm of the view of that's my criteria. I want to treat you, Peter, and everybody that works with me the way I'd like to be treated. We're a team. Hey, if you've got an idea, let me know what it is. By the way, if I got to go up and see the president to, to make a presentation, your work for me, you're coming with me. I'm gonna, and it's all about my team. And it's right. all about trying to do the best. And interestingly enough, interesting enough, if one day I woke, I tell the students this, if one day I woke up and I said, I'm a vice president, you know what? I'm going for it. I'm going to become the CEO. Well, that day, it's no longer about the team. Now it's all about me. And if it's all about me, it's no longer about Peter and Joe and, and Jim, okay? And that's why I don't think if you're not wired up the way I'm describing, you're going to lose a, a lot of respect. To them. People will may tolerate you, but there's not going to be the respect and the camaraderie and the fun you'd have if it's not. That's so what I think. There, so, Harry, there's never a moment when you're, like, sitting in the office going, I'm CEO. I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm CEO. I'm the head of this I'm 42 years old and I'm the head of a $12 billion. Like, yes, all those other things there. But how cool is that? Like, yeah. you, you never had that moment? So, so okay, again, Peter, when I say ask me anything, push anything. Interestingly enough, I thought, hey, isn't this great? Isn't this great? But but I never, ever, Peter, let it get to me. And, and I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you some good examples. And, and again, I got a lot of flaws. We can talk about all my flaws. But on this kind of stuff, Peter, there, there was a perspective of, Never forget where you came from. Keep things in perspective, all right? In fact, here's a great way. I literally, in my four principles, okay, I literally talk, as you've heard me, I talk about self-reflection, I talk about balance, I talk about true self-confidence, and I talk about genuine humility. And to me, this genuine humility thing, Peter, here's one for, for, all, for all your listeners. I have a very simple way of figuring out, uh, does somebody have genuine humility? I literally will say, hey, uh, Joe, uh, ha, ha, successful guy, CEO, CFO, how, how did you get to where you are, Joe? 90% of people I talk to say, well, how did I get there? Well, uh, I worked very, very hard. Right, I worked right. very, very hard. Right. And I have some skill sets. And the combination of working hard and skill sets, that's how I got to where I am. And then somebody will say to me, well, Harry, how did you get to where you are? I said, well, yeah, I worked hard skill set. But there's a big five, the big five that happened to me. No particular order. Math guys, we number things. How about luck? How about timing? How about the team? How about mentors? And then for some of us, you know, there's there's a spiritual perspective of some people. Some of us have a, a religious perspective. And if if any of those work for you, what do you start to realize? You never forget where you came from. You keep things in perspective. At Baxter, we said you don't you don't read your own press clippings. And the higher up you go, this is a big one, Peter. The higher up you go, there better be a few people who knew you before you became a big shot. Right. Because on the way to becoming a big shot, there will be people that are going to say, oh, well, you're amazing. You're remarkable. And if you're not careful, you could actually believe it. Okay? So I have uh, I have dinner um, once a month and I have for over 30 years, um, once a month with a bunch of friends from high school. And and we now now that we're in a pandemic, we have a Zoom call once a week. But just to confirm that one of the things I love is I said to my uh, I, I was on the phone with them a couple of days ago and I said, so what do you guys think of my beard? I'm thinking about keeping my beard. And to a T, they were like, do not keep your beard. It looks awful. <laughs> and they said, like one of my friends said, you know, you know, those movies where where literally in one scene, someone goes from whatever age they are to 30 years older. That's you with a beard. 
<laughs> and so it is very helpful to have a group of people who know you really, really well and, and you know, will tell you the truth. And it's interesting, Peter. I, I almost get emotional about it. Uh, and I know how sincere you are. It, it, it interests me so much that if you truly, it's beyond words, if you truly realize you never forget where you came from. Yeah, we've been blessed. We're fortunate. You're up in the Catskill. I mean, okay, but you never forget that. And so for me, you know, when when I go into a building, in fact, I'll give you another great example. In my classes, we have this brand new, amazing Kellogg uh, building now on the lake, five stories, all glass, really on the water, $300 million. And I'll tell the students, I'll say, all right, how many of you want to be leaders? How many of you really want to manage large groups of teams? I said, now don't raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass anybody. How many of you know the names of the two people at the reception desk when you walk in the building? And how many of you know the names of the four people serving food in, in, in the cafeteria? Okay. And how many of you know how many kids each one of them have? And do you know the two of those people serving in line have got kids uh, that have gotten scholarships into Princeton? And I said, I cannot walk into that building without finding out how Chris is doing, how Ken's doing, and it's K-E-N-N, okay? And why has it got two? I mean, because you never forget. And you create, and I always think of it, Peter, it's, it's like the ultimate win-win. It's the right kind of values. It just feels good. But the crazy part of it is, even if that light didn't go on, okay, you do it anyway, because that's how you build teams. Right. That's how you energize a group right. of people. Right. It's actually pretty simple. Okay, so let's let's turn to the book, uh, Harry, and and you talk about articulating and being super clear about your values, and then breaking that up into a number of different categories so that you can understand, you know, where what your values are in each of those categories, and then really tracking and assessing yourself on how am I doing with each of these things. It's like if you want to lose weight, keep a food diary. If you want to live a value-based life, keep a value-based diary. Am yeah. I am I encapsulating this correctly? Yeah, I, th I think I think you're doing a good job. Great. Yeah, you're doing a good job. So, um, so here's here was my first question. I want to go over the four foundational principles of value-based leadership because I really love them. I yeah. love and I talk about this all the time. And I loved reading that you had shaped it this way. And I've seen this from previous conversations and previous books: self-confidence and humility. And I, I think those two things together are critical and most people don't get it right. So I, right. I, I always think it's worth spending a little bit of time on that. But here's, yes. here was my essential question about values. So um, I, when I sit down and I get a little overwhelmed with the whole thing, but when I sit down and I go, okay, so what are my values and am I living my values? I always realize that like, like it or not, I'm already living my values. Meaning I'm making choices every day. And I think about you, you bring up someone in uh, uh, the golfer, um, a guy who, Bill, you call him Bill, who's, who's playing golf all weekend and he wants to meet with you. And, and, and you're like, well, when do you want to meet? Saturday? No, I'm playing golf all day. How about Sunday? No, I'm playing golf all day. And, and it's like, okay, so what are, you know, like if he really wants to meet, then he needs to shape his life around his values. My thought as I read that is, and, and you talk about the cognitive dissonance between, you know, kind of what is real and how I live. Um, my, my challenge is we, like, when we identify our values, they are very often aspirational values versus actual values. And if I'm playing golf all weekend, it's probably because 
even though I don't want to say it out loud, take, you know, being out by myself or with a group of friends playing golf, et cetera, I'm, I'm thinking in Bill's mind, like that's really actually his value. Otherwise he probably wouldn't do it. So how do you help people and how do, how do you grapple with the dissonance of actual lived values versus aspirational values? Yeah. Does, does my question make sense? Yeah, no, it, it does. And this is one, it's kind of fun to mix up. So, so this one, this one, um, I, I probably disagree with you. And, and here's right. the thought process. And you should challenge us. I mean, I, I love we can mix it up. We can always do this again. Here's the fun part for me. I think that the disconnect for many people is they don't take the time to be self-reflective. And when I say self-reflective, I literally mean spending some quiet time thinking about why do I do what I do? And based on why I do what I do, is is that what I really want to do? And I think what happens is if you don't take the time to do this, and, and I talk about this in this book now, I literally remember the second chapter is I'm surprised you're surprised, right? So, so the example would be, and this happens all the time, Peter, is uh, I run into a former student and uh, at the airport. And you've read, Joe, how are you doing? Well, I'm just really surprised. Well, Joe, what are you surprised by? Well, uh, I, I'm married now. I have two small children, and uh, I, I have no relationship with my two kids. And I, I, I'm just really surprised. Well, Joe, do you spend time with your two kids? No, I don't spend any time with them at all. Okay. Well, I'm surprised you're surprised. But see, the interesting part, Peter, is, is I'm so open. Okay. I'll use you. Okay. I'm just I'm making it up. If you said to me, Harry, my career is so important. That hey, if I have to sacrifice my my marriage or my kids, you know, uh, I'm willing to do I'm willing to do that. Now, that may be to some people. Oh boy, I, I don't know if I'd want to do that. But the beauty, the beauty of taking the time to realize that's what's important to you, then that's perfect. But the problem I find is the number of people that are doing things and they haven't really thought through why they're doing it. And as soon as they think it through, they actually change. Not because that's different than their values. But they just have a student two weeks ago. Student comes up to me two weeks ago. Well, Harry, I'm trying to decide. Okay, Elizabeth, well, I'm trying to decide. Should uh, very bright gal? Uh, should I go to work for McKinsey or or uh, or, or Bain? And I'll say, okay, wait a minute. Okay, let's think about it. now. Before we answer that question, why why do you want to be a consultant? I mean, that could be fine. Why do you want to do that? And the look on their face. Somebody gave me this description of MEGO, M-E-G-O, which stands for my eyes glaze over. They hadn't even thought about it. Okay. Right. I said, now, now, you, now, you're, uh, you're, you mind traveling ninety percent of the time? Do you realize you're going to be traveling? Well, no, I, I don't want to travel that much. Well, but that's what you're going to be doing. Oh, okay. And so, so Peter, I can give you a lot of examples where, where, where because people don't think about what they're doing, they end up surprised. Right. And that's why, that's why I say I'm surprised you're surprised. I like what you're saying, and and actually what you're saying. So I'm going to change what I've said, which is that it's not actual values versus aspirational values as much as it is habits versus values. So like you're describing people in a number of habits and they haven't stopped to play out going, what is this, you know, if I continue with this habit, what am I going to look like in, in 10 years? And, and Peter, it goes even further than that. So maybe you'll, maybe you'll have seen this as well. Habit I've seen, I don't know if it's a habit. I don't know if it's even a habit or just, you're not thinking. Great example. 
a guy does really well, does super well. You know these people. Suddenly they're 45 years old. They've got three kids and they decide they, they, they've got a big, big uh, uh, windfall. They're going to build a house. Now, instead of saying, well, there's a lot of nice houses. Oh, no, no. I'm going to build a house. It's only going to take six months. Well, Joe, I can tell you, it's going to take you three years. Okay. Well, no, it's going to. So they spend three years. I mean, you know these people. They spend the time and the, you know, the arguments and the fights. Are, but now they got it. They finally got it. Three years of sweat and tears. So I don't see this person for like six, seven years. Well, then I run into him at the airport. Hey, Joe, how are you doing? Well, you know, pretty good, Harry. But, uh, you know, uh, Marcus not good. We're in the process of, of, of downsizing. Downsizing? Why? Well, Harry, all three of the kids, they're off at college now, right? And, of course, what I want to say to the guys, did you not realize, Joe, eight years ago that all of your children would be eight years older and the 10-year-old, who's the youngest, that no one will be there in this 20,000-square-foot house? And you look at the guy... And he's surprised. And it's like, I don't, that's not even a habit. It's like, what were you thinking? And my conclusion is you weren't thinking. Right. No, and if you said, if you said, hey, I want this, this is what I want. And you know what? I'll figure it out. But this guy was literally surprised. I mean, he was he was just you know worried about now selling the house. All right. right. It's uh, and I, I can give you examples like that, Peter, at every age. So let me ask you. So um, great. What's a brick wall? Brick wall. Okay, and here, here's the concept on this one, and all people can kind of visualize this in your mind. Let's say uh, when you were in New York, and I'm in Chicago. I think it's Route 80 that takes you from Chicago to, to New York. All right. So when I talk about this life balance, right? And by the way, you've heard me. I never talk about work-life balance because it's like work-life. You're either working or you're living. What does that mean? Okay. You and I are working enough, Peter. If that's not living, that's a problem. Okay. So it's life balance. So the way I think about life balance, it's not achieving it. It's pursuing it. Because at the end of the day, it's not going to happen, okay? Now, so here's, here's a little analogy I'm fooling around with lately. Tell me if this works for you. I'm going to go to visit you. I'm driving from Chicago to New York. If I was perfect and I was really balanced, straight line, I don't get off the road, I'm there. Now, what's the real world? Real world is there's exit ramps, okay? I want to stop at Dairy Queen for a, for a break or something, okay? Now, or I got to get gas. Now, if you think about that, if, if I'm doing it correctly, I'm, I'm going to try to stay that little sine wave pretty close to this, all right? And the key of self-reflection, I know I got off the highway. I know I want to lose 30 pounds, but you know what? Hey, tonight I want to have pizza, and I know I better get on a bike tomorrow. I better get on that, the mountain bike. So, so you get off. However, if you get off and you don't realize you're off, all right? You know, the, you guys, you and I know where, well, I'm, I'm going to work 100 hours, but it's only for a week. It's only, and if I think about it, it's almost like you've got off at an exit ramp and you, you now, you're on your way to Atlanta. No, I was going to see Peter in New York. And it's in my mind, that's, you hit the wall. You, you gained 50 pounds. You know, your family's broken up. You've got a heart attack and you're like, oh, what do I, what do I do now? And that, that ability, that ability to realize, hey, I'm only human. I got my faults, I'm, I'm, you know, got temptations, whatever, but I better stay close enough to that. And when you don't, you hit the wall. And unless you get your act together again, you, you never recover. Um, first of all, have you hit a wall? Um, honestly, no. 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 Okay. So part, part of that, Chief, is just because I've been doing this self-reflection and these silent retreats for, for 40 years. Right. So here's my question. Um, there's an advantage in some ways in terms of the methodology that we're talking about of hitting a wall because yeah. you hit a wall and the wall says what I've been doing up until now is not working. I have to change. Yep. What if you don't hit a wall? Meaning like I, I'm, I, I think in terms of 
the conversation we're having, which is how do you stay on track to your values? Uh, um, there are people who hit a wall and have to self-reflect. They have to think about what their values are because literally the way they've been doing it clearly isn't working. I find that there's a lot of people for whom the way they're doing it is eh, pretty much working. You know what? Let's use me as an example. So um, I, I love what I'm doing. I really love it, actually. It's working for me in every single way. Um, and I, I still notice my own little nudges. Like soul is really interesting to me. I'm really um, finding myself... Uh, uh, taken with the concept of soul, and I'm and I'm finding myself, you know, nudging towards more interested in people than organizations. Like I, I love organizations. I've consulted. I've always worked with organizations. But the people side of it is is attracting me more uh, than it has before. I'm a little more interested in coaching leaders as people than I am in coaching leadership teams to achieve results. Like I'm just noticing that now. I like what I do. Nothing's going wrong. I'm fine. I've got actually the good life balance, right? I'm close with my family. And yet I'm, I'm, I'm finding myself nudging in this direction and I have to give up some things that are going right in order to pursue something that's engaging me and I'm moving towards. And I don't know whether that's the right thing to do. And what, like I, I, my values are not... It's not just black and white. It's not like, oh, I'm doing something now and it's not working. I'm doing something and it's working and I like it. And yet there's this other thing and I have to risk what I'm doing a little bit in order to pursue this other thing. I don't know if it's the right thing to do. So I just want to bring in this like the sort of yeah. grayness of this for yeah. many people. Okay. And, and the way the way I think about it, Peter, and it's why I love I loved discussing this stuff. With it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, which is one of my three criteria, by the right. way. Um, so, so, and you're adding value. And you're adding value. Okay. Right. And I'm so, learning something. I mean, you learn something from every okay, person. So, so that means we'll have more conversations. We definitely will. Okay. So again, because you know, we all have we all have problems. One of my problems is this simple analogy thing. So what do I do? My and I think about you now. And I I'm, I role play. So the way I think about this, let's 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 do help. So we're going from Chicago to New York. Okay, that's where I'm headed. Now, the way I look at this is during that trip, I'm being very, very thoughtful. So I just I just got to Pittsburgh. All right. I got to Pittsburgh and I'm thinking now, yeah, yeah, I could go to New York. I could go to New York. But let's think about this based on what's important to me, what's important in my life, what may be important, in my family, uh, whatever, my calling, whatever. You know, uh, I, I think going to Tampa may be what I really ought to be doing. Um, what are the pros and cons? What are the impact of that on the six buckets? You know, I'm going to Tampa. So now I redirect. And I, and I don't view this as hitting the wall. I don't even view this as as a as a change. This is something now that is an opportunity. And so I'm going to head down to Florida. Now, heading down to Florida, if it turns out because I'm doing that, you know what? I don't have the opportunity to get on the mountain bike. I'm gaining a little bit of weight. Well, okay, let's take let's get off at a rest stop here and and, and maybe do something again. But in, in my my life, think about it. there's going to be changes. There was change for me between being single and married. Where both of us are working, a big change of having five kids. Okay, so God, I could I could write a book on that one in itself. That's a book I'm looking for, by the way. Uh, uh, so 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 this whole idea of I'm I'm going to be. Oh, in fact, you've just given me the perfect opportunity to mention something related to the next chapter. Well, you're very good, Peter. Okay, which I think is called okay um, 
the art of being planful and spontaneity. And as you can imagine, people say, well, wait, wait a minute, I mean, uh, no, you're either going to be planful or you're going to have spontaneity. And, and I remember number- I want to bring forth this image of the woman who spoke, who was listening to you and you were sort of saying, figure out all your hours in a week, where are you spending them? Putting, and she said, just listening to you made her feel like she was in a straitjacket. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what I, what I, Peter, you're, you're, you're very kind to have read all this because what makes it, what makes it kind of fun for me is I have, I explained this lady said, no, it, it actually works the opposite. And, and I'll use my own, my own thing. I don't know how planful you are, Peter, but I'm one of these guys. Here's my math background. I can tell you, of course, now everything's changed right? this COVID thing. I could, I can always tell you what I'm doing day by day for the next 90 days. I mean, I, I kind of have that locked and loaded and I've got my calendar for 21, 22. I, I've got it. Okay, the boards and everything else. I got. It. I know I'm going to Hong Kong the next six times. I got. It. I got it. Now, as I as I may have mentioned, I got it. I know what I'm doing next. But if you call me, Peter, I can. By the way, this is tr- this is a true story. If you tell me, Peter, hey, that a week from Friday, you've got two extra tickets for Bruce Springsteen, okay, and the Catskills, I will be there. I mean, it's not even a question. I will be there, okay, because if you're planful, you can you know move things around. Versus, I don't know what you were like, Peter, but I knew guys in college that, you know, uh, you know, oh, we've got a 20-page paper to do. we got three weeks to do it. That night before, they're walking into the room with a cigarette and 25 books saying, don't bother me for the next eight hours because this is going to be an all-nighter. And if I walk into that room and say, hey, guess what? You know, there's a great movie that there's uh, free on campus. He can't go. I can go because I did like one-fifth of that, okay, every, every, every week or so. So, so in my mind, the more planful you are, the more, the more flexibility you have. I love it. And it's, it's, it's what, you know, it's what I love about you saying confidence and humility. You're taking these two things and you're saying, and you're, and you're holding them. You're not buying into the sort of black and white delineation or dichotomy between them. You're basically saying be super planful so that. You can then, when you need to, because you're using self-reflection, right? Self-reflection, balance, confidence, humility. So, you know, you're using self-reflection to say, am I, do I need to nudge? Do I need to like, do it? Maybe it's not even getting off the highway and going to Florida. Maybe it's just taking the scenic route to New York. Like maybe it's like making these little nudges in order to continue the self-reflection in order to stay connected to your values and what's important to you. Absolutely. And to your point, and you, you, Peter, you're on so top of this. It's fascinating because often, often executives, I had a group of CEOs and they got into this and they said, well, now this self, this uh, true self-confidence, genuine humility. And one guy said, you know, maybe I've got too much genuine humility and less of that, more true money. And I always keep telling people, to your point, you, you won both. See, because if you're my boss, way beyond words, and by the way, you can be the CEO and a vice president or you're a director and I'm a manager, it doesn't matter. But what beyond words, what I will convince you of is very simple. Peter, whatever you need to get done, give it to me. I will get it done. With the right group of people, we'll get it done. I'll never let you down. It's going to happen. And at the same time, every single person matters. It isn't about me, okay? And I'm going to give the credit to all these people. But, you know, it's a little bit like you said to me, when did you think you'd be the uh, come CEO? Well, a little crazy story on that one. Uh, I, at the time, I think I was a CFO, and uh, – the, the CEO was kind of a fun story. The CEO uh, always started every meeting with me uh, making a little bit of a presentation. So he said, "Well, Harry, uh, you're not making a presentation today. I got to meet with the I got to meet with the uh, I meet with the, uh, the boards privately." I thought, oh, well, we have a problem. But Harry, it's only 15 minutes, and then you're going to come in. 
Well, an hour and a half later, he comes out and I said, is everything okay? No, here's a little bit of a practical joke. So, no, it's not okay. It's not okay at all. I said, why is that? So, well, I basically uh, told the board that, you know, I'm going to, I want to retire. And I had, I, I had things so wired with this guy. I'm thinking, oh man, this guy leaves. That's good. And he said, I said, what are you going to do? He said, well, they don't like the response. They don't like what we're doing, but it's, it's unfortunate, but it's what's going to, I'm going to jam it. I said, what's that? Well, I told him that you're going to become the CEO. I said, really? And uh, he said, yeah, come on in. And, and I walked in and I was, I was a little dazed, right? And one of the board, I think it was uh, Fred Turner, who was the CEO of McDonald's uh, for me. I was on the board and he, and he goes, well, you look a little surprised. I said, yeah, I am surprised. And he goes, well, do you, do you think, you think you're going to, you can do this? I said, Fred, there is no question. I can do this because I know exactly the two or 300 people I'm going to need to be able to pull this off. I said, I'm a little surprised, but I will not let you guys, do. I will get this done. You know? So it's, 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 it's a little of this true self-confidence, genuine humility. Don't, 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 don't forget where you came from. And genuineness. It's like, it's not like you're going to pretend and it's not going to like, it's, it's the, it's the, like you are genuinely surprised and also genuinely confident. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I, and I think if you can, Peter, uh, if it's part of who you are, it, 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 you make it, people will tease you, you have a little bit of fun with it. Uh, and I don't know if I told you this story, but a great example of, you don't forget where you came from. It turned out that, um, I didn't even know this. We have all these buildings, right? Cause we had like, I don't know, several thousand people in Chicago. Well, it turned out when I became the CFO, they called and said, by the way, you can park in the bat cave. Like there's a, like a secret parking lot under, I didn't know it was there. I, I thought we were with the thousands of people. And they said, so no, you, you've got your own parking space. Well, everybody always used to tease me that, um, you know, no matter how well I did, I would say, you know, my father would say, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget where you came from. So, uh, you know, I always had a, a Toyota that I'd always go to 200,000 miles with. So I got this eight, nine-year-old Toyota. So the first day, you know where this is going. First day, I, thing almost, and it's got Harry Krim. I'm, I'm parked between like, I don't know, a Maserati and a Porsche or whatever. So I run in, park the car, go to the meeting. And about an hour or two later, the first meeting starts. I'm with the executive committee. And the one guy puts his arm around me. He goes, Harry, we apologize. Trust us. Trust us. It will never happen again. Don't worry about it. I said, what won't happen again? He goes, I don't know. He said, some asshole parked some piece of shit. Uh, and he said, we, we got, and I said, what, what are you talking about? He goes, well, he just had it towed. I said, that's my car. Okay. So, so I, I start to Is that really out. true? They really had your car towed? Yeah. No, 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 no. He said he did. Right. So I got up and he goes, Harry, we, we, we didn't tell it. You know what? You're, you're doing pretty well now. I, I think you ought to get it. That's in. funny. And I, and I purposely never did because. Right, right, right. That's great. Don't forget where you came from, Peter. Don't forget where you came from. We have been speaking with Harry Kramer. His latest book is Your 168. Put your values first and focus on what matters most. Uh, you've clearly, I'm sure, and I hope that you've gotten a feel for the kind of person Harry is. Harry, it is such a pleasure always to speak with you and such a pleasure to have you on the Bregman Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us. A lot of fun, Peter. Thanks for listening. Here's what I've learned from working with some of the most successful leaders of the most successful companies. Every leader, every team, and every organization has a leadership gap. If you want to become a leader who inspires your team to get things done, then you've got to start by raising the level of your leadership abilities. You can start by taking our free leadership gap assessment at www.bregmanpartners.com forward slash quiz. Then dive deeper with a copy of my latest book, Leading with Emotional Courage. For more ways to become a truly great leader, check out our online offerings, 
in-person workshops and events, and my articles at www.bregmanpartners.com. Again, thanks so much for joining me today and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.